Welcome to Social Distance Assistance. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jean. And I'm Molly. I produce you guys. Yeah. (laughs) A couple of Sundays ago, I went to an Easter service at a drive-in movie theater in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Like an hour and a half east of Pittsburgh. Jean, do you know what a drive-in movie theater is? Yeah, it's like a giant parking lot or field and there's a movie screen and you sit in your car and watch a movie on the movie screen. Yeah, exactly. It's just like it sounds. Back in the day, people used to drive for miles to watch a movie at one of these places. You could just sit in your car or put out a blanket and have a picnic while you watched the movie and listened on the radio. And that's what you did for Easter? Kind of. Um, So I pulled in and there were a bunch of cars and people wearing masks directing us on where to park on this big lawn. Everyone needs to stay in their car this morning for the whole service, for the remainder of the service, with their windows up. Welcome, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to this Easter celebration. I'm the Reverend Scott Klimke. I'll be conducting this service today with my beloved colleague, the Reverend Jonathan Adams. The two pastors were from Mount Calvary Lutheran Church. And you all need to have your radios dialed into FM 88.3. You'll be able to hear every part of this service from your radio. The pastors were set up at this makeshift altar at the entrance to the snack bar and the bathrooms. They had a rug down, two lecterns, and a bunch of lilies and tulips. I'll tell you that today's service has been prepared with tradition in mind. But it's also been prepared with our current health crisis and what we hope is a multi-denominational gathering this morning in view as well. A lot of the United States saw a spike in coronavirus cases, just as religious leaders were preparing for major holidays. Easter, Passover, and starting later this week, Ramadan. All of those holidays usually involve getting together with your faith community. So we wanted to know... How are people keeping their traditions alive when they can't be together? I'm going to ask you to turn on your windshield wipers right now, doing your best under these unusual circumstances to wave peace and love and comfort to one another and to those who are at home or elsewhere. In this episode, we're going to talk about faith at home and creative ways of worshiping during COVID-19. Let's see those windshield wipers a-going, waving peace. On Easter Sunday, churches all over the world held socially distant services. Some chose to keep things virtual with live streams. But three separate members of Mount Calvary Lutheran all came to Pastor Klimke with the same idea— less than a week after the church stopped normal operations on March 18th. Let's have Easter at the drive-in. Let's begin with a word of scripture drawn from the 16th chapter of John. So, Molly, was this service dangerous? I mean, officials in some states and towns asked churches to not have these kinds of services because they were technically gatherings of more than 10 people. But a lot of thought about safety went into the service in Johnstown. The week before, the church passed out a huge list of rules. People were not allowed to get out of their cars at all, not even to use bathrooms. Wow! Or they would be breaking social distancing rules and putting other people at risk. As Lutherans, we believe uh, 
that uh, God has given us brains for a reason, and that's that we use them. This is Pastor Scott Klimke. That's why in putting together the service, we made certain to speak to pathologists with expertise in infectious disease, uh, with doctors, with emergency management personnel, with police officers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Had we encountered any roadblocks through those conversations, we wouldn't have held the service. As long as everyone stayed in their cars, with the windows up, experts told the pastor that a drive-in service would be very low risk. So they decided to go through with it. I'd invite all of you to turn on your car lights as we bring to mind all who have lost their lives and who are daily fighting to help the infected. The pastors think there were 350 cars there and probably 800 people total. The only trouble they had that morning was a small technical glitch. We're going to sing this morning as Christ is alive, let Christians sing. I think you'll find the words very, very meaningful at this time. Oh, seems like the signal cut out there for a second. That sounds better. There we go. Yeah, there he is. Give me a good honk if you can hear me. All right. <laughs> Hopefully we have that sorted out for, for now. Thank you for, for being patient. One of the reasons that, that we need hope and comfort right now is even with the sun continuing to rise and to set, it hasn't been hard to feel or to think that we're stuck in the dead of night. Molly, how did this feel? Yeah, so I have to say, this was maybe kind of corny until it wasn't. I was reflecting on the ceremony as I was driving away, and it was both utterly surreal and comforting in ways I did not expect. You could feel how important the service was to people, and coming together even though they were separated by their cars. Isolated, but not alone. And in the dead of the night, we can unravel and feel like we're losing our bearings. But God understands that and welcomes all that we have to share. Every moment and every day of each of our lives. You shared a moment, Molly, and even managed to do an interview by cracking the window a little bit. Mask on, of course, for safety. Yeah, I wonder what it means for you to be here today. This is definitely a different kind of celebration. It's inspiring. It really is. Uh, my husband and I always love sunrise service and we experience the sunrise service. So it means a lot. It means a lot to see the church members and the community come together. Yeah. This holiday is so much about community. Does it feel like there's still a community even though everyone's in their cars? I think so. You know, everybody's waving and, you know, very cooperative and yeah, yeah cool. most definitely. Thanks, Debbie. Well, it was nice. Did not expect to talk to someone. While the Lutheran pastors in Johnstown were helping their congregants worship together safely, other Christians decided to host quieter services. Hi. That's Emma. I'm a Catholic lesbian from the Midwest. 
She was pretty upset that she wouldn't be able to attend Easter Mass as usual this year. Catholic Easter Mass is a big deal. I think the thing that I like the most about the Catholic Church is like that the word Catholic is supposed to mean universal. You know, every Sunday, everywhere across the world, people were coming together and they were saying the same service and they were saying the same Mass and they were taking part in the same sacraments. Having that constant thing was very reassuring. So it feels very weird to be breaking from that tradition, but it also feels very important. Pope Francis live-streamed his Good Friday Mass through YouTube. But Emma needed more. So she performed her own service, an untraditional one for sure, but one that would help her uphold her faith even when she couldn't be where she wanted to be. My two roommates and I are going to go to a cemetery and we are going to do a sunrise Easter Sunday service. I will light the candles. So the reason we're having it in a cemetery is because I think that when we're talking about Easter and we're talking about the resurrection of like Jesus Christ, it's important to remind us of like what death looks like. You know, we've been having the past two services in the in the kitchen area of our house, which is very lovely. And I would like to thank my roommates for letting me do that. But for Easter, I want it to be something a little bit more profound and a little bit special. Okay. Me, these candles serve as a reminder of the light that was brought into the world by Jesus Christ on his resurrection. I am going to be the priest, kind of, which is very exciting. Um, so I think I'd like to start just everyone taking a breath together. And that feels especially meaningful to me as a Catholic woman because, I mean, priests are only allowed to be men. Ready? So inhale. Happy Easter, everyone. (laughs) Today, I wanted to reflect particularly on Mary Magdalene. For someone who is in these services, there's no communion included um, because Catholics believe in transubstantiation, which is that the communion wine and the communion wafer literally become the body and blood of Christ. So that's not on the table because there's no priests there to celebrate it. But I think the thing is that they're like, you still need to commemorate this. Having a DIY service, um, even if it's veering dangerously close to Protestantism, is still very important. And we see her again in the story of Easter, where she is the first one to interact with the risen Lord. I could just like do a virtual Easter Sunday service. And I think that that would fulfill the obligation that I have, like to just like, sit in a chair and like watch my priests like do the service it's just not the same when I think of church I think of community and to share that moment even if it's with two of my roommates is very important to me and want to thank you guys again for sharing this moment with me <laughs> we pray for an end to disease especially the current virus that is plaguing our world May the hope of the resurrection flood the earth, and may all who are tirelessly working to develop a remedy be blessed in their efforts, and all who are taking care of the sick and the dying be safe. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask this to the risen Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. So, June... We don't talk about religion that much. Yep. 
Does that bother you? Nope. <laughs> okay. But like your best friend in the whole world is Jewish, and I'm not sure that you know what that means. I don't. That's all right. We will take our homeschool lesson on major religions off mic. For now, I just want to tell you about one of the traditions that's part of a Jewish holiday that just happened, the Passover Seder. At its core, the Seder is a meal. Very basically, you read, drink wine, tell stories, sing, and eat foods that represent aspects of the Israelites' escape from slavery in Egypt more than 3,000 years ago. Wow. But this meal is also a feast and usually involves huge groups of friends and family. Which we can't do this year. Right. So a lot of people held their own seders this year, observing Passover alone or with their immediate family. But many others, like Rachel Zaslow, took the seder online in virtual meeting rooms. Can everybody see this? Yes. All right. Awesome. What? Amy Horowitz just um, texted me to say she was stuck in a waiting room. Oh, well, I know how to do that. Hold on. Once everyone was connected, the meal started. Almost everyone at Rachel's Seder had their own plate laid out at home. Okay. The Seder plate. Why do we have this, like, plate of random objects? The plate of random objects includes a bone. And why, why do we have a bone? Does anyone remember? The slaughter, the uh, sacrifice, right? Right. So there's this, the sacrifice. And actually, there's also an egg, matzah, vegetables, bitter herbs, and haroset, which is a paste of fruit and nuts that symbolizes the mortar that Jews used to build buildings for the pharaoh. But planning a virtual Seder this year required making some accommodations. Jen, did you make your famous haroset? I tried to make your famous haroset, and I failed because I didn't have any of the ingredients. So I just actually, my haroset is apricots and Trader Joe's cinnamon spiced pecans ground together. (laughs) Nice. Seder means order or arrangement. And there are normally at least 15 steps to this choreographed meal. The breaking of the matzah reflects the words of the Hasidic Kotzka Rebbe. There is nothing more whole than a broken heart. If your own suffering does not serve to unite you with the suffering of others, if your own imprisonment does not join you with others in prison, if you, in your smallness, remain alone, then your pain will have been for naught. The Seder usually closes by saying, next year in Jerusalem. This year, many people said a variation on next year together. So instead, we say... Next year, may we all live in a, in a world full of peace, a world full of health, a world full of connectedness, and uh, may we release ourselves from the bonds of whatever oppresses us and our communities. All right. I love you all. Bye. Love you. I got to figure out how to end this. Okay. Rabbi Patrick Bollier is from a progressive congregation in Richmond, Virginia, called Kahila, the Hebrew word for community. Like Rachel, he held a virtual Seder. So I knew this was something we were going to do when I saw a meme on Facebook that said that it is crazy that Passover is going to be canceled by a plague. <laughs> and that, that for me made me realize, okay, we're going to have to adjust our concept of what we're doing. And did it seem just like 
impossibly overwhelming at first or were you kind of excited about it? For me, the opportunity to get to be creative and to say, you know, the point of this whole thing is to deal with these issues that Passover brings up and to educate ourselves around them. That's really what this is about. And the Seder is a human invention. It's religious, political dinner theater. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, but that's what it is. It's religious, political dinner theater. And so it exists to teach. So if if the Seder is just a tool to teach the Exodus, to teach the themes of Passover, then all we need to do is just come up with a new methodology. Hmm. And, you know, Jewish history teaches us that religion needs to evolve to meet the needs of human beings. And that's what we did. Yeah, I'm wondering, like, uh, there's all kinds of really specific practices that go into the dinner theater and create the metaphor for something else. And I wonder about the overarching metaphor of everybody being trapped in their homes and doing this Passover Seder, but then not being able to be free afterward. Yeah, yeah. So when you read Haggadah, when you read the Passover story, Yes, it's a physical story and there's, you know, miracles and all of these things. And we could try to understand it just as this like, you know, ancient story and it has some religious metaphors and those metaphors are beautiful. But, Mm -hmm. you know, what does that mean to me? And in fact, this question that you're asking is in Haggadah. It's called (laughs) the sons. It's the the four sons. And the rebellious son is the one who says, what's this Passover mean to you? Right? Like, mm. what's, the, what's the point, mom? What's the point, dad? <laughs> right? Right. And so it's easy, I think, sometimes for people to go, okay, that woo-woo religious stuff is fine and everything, but we've got coronavirus killing people right now. What do we do? That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the real struggle. That's the real play. So let's say you have a, a rebellious son in your congregation and you're like, we're going to do a virtual Seder. And they say, what is the point? What is the point of doing this right now in this context? What do you say to them? Well, I would say, first of all, welcome to Passover. Your question is totally valid. It's so valid that we put it in the Seder. And then the next thing I would say is, what is the point of doing this right now? Human beings are not designed to be isolated. Our wiring is not for seclusion. The mental health impact of Mm -hmm. people who feel like they can't leave their home, it's not social distancing right? It's social isolation. Right. That is so devastating that anything we can do to create in, in-person connections, I'm game for. Let's do it. Let's take this technology in directions we've never thought of. Because if we don't have that right now, we don't have being human. Right. Did you have tech issues or even menu issues? Did you have to adapt the Seder to this sort of new environment? My cat uh, wanted to sit on the laptop the whole time. And uh, she was our pharaoh, I suppose, because I kept saying, let my computer go. And (laughs) she just wouldn't have it. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) But everything else, you know, the theme this year for this holiday, for Shavuot, which is another holiday we're going to miss together, for all of the Shabbats that we're going to miss... The theme needs to be doing the best that you can. We, in our congregation, did Passover care packages. We gave away copies of a Haggadah. Some people received yarmulkes. Other people received uh, Jewish books. 
And the idea was, look, here's some items. Do what you want to do with that. Figure that out. Maybe you're not going to do a Seder plate. Maybe you're going to eat the Haroset making things as trail mix and mm-hmm. read and, and read one of the Jewish books that we gave you. Maybe thumb through Haggadah. Everyone needs to do the best that they can, not the best that they think everyone wants them to do. So we talked about adapting and how this Passover was actually sort of, especially for the Seder, like particularly meaningful and as a teaching tool. But I'm wondering how this time has challenged your congregants' faith. Yeah. The hardest thing, so we've had one instance of coronavirus. And the the hardest thing for me is that I can't go it to the hospital. I can't go in that room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you call people and you say, you know, I wish I could be there, you, you know, and, and people will say, oh, I know it's okay. And yes, technically it's okay. From a public safety, you know, standpoint, it is okay. But you know what? It's not okay. It's not okay. Human beings are not designed to be isolated and staring at screens. And that, I think, is very frustrating for people who need spiritual support. It's frustrating for people who want to give spiritual support because um, there's this sort of disconnect of what we know we should do and what we can do. Where it gets difficult is a sense that our society has not set up a social safety net to help people and that there are simply limitations to what a congregation can do, right? There's only so much that we can do to help. And then that's what gets people deeper into spiritual issues of, well, maybe God is against me or maybe life is against me, or maybe this is all a bunch of nonsense. And so that spiritually is the challenge. As a fairly non-religious person, sort of an outsider, like it seems like tradition and custom are huge pillars of religious communities, right? Sure. And so I was wondering, like, if a virtual Seder becomes a, a new custom or a new tradition, what that means. But it sounds like you would just be fine with that and envelop that into what you're already doing. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting when I'm not using the language life goes back to normal because it's not. We are forever impacted by this. But when we resume operations as they were before, perhaps (laughs) would be perhaps the language we could use. Uh, There's going to be the question of, you know, do we continue doing virtual things? Anything is better than nothing, but community is better than everything. Whether you're religious or not, and I would say on some level, as a tattooed rabbi, am I religious? That's that's up for interpretation as much as Passover is. I'm not the kind of person who uses what I think are cliches like, well, God will get you through it. Or, mm-hmm. well, well, God doesn't give you, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. I, I think there's a lot of people who might disagree with that. So instead, what I've tried to learn to do, not just as a, a spiritual leader, but just as a good adult thing to know how to do, is to pr- practice active listening and to really create the space within which sorrow can dwell in a healthy way. What is very important right now 
is that we understand that we are at a crucial moment in human history. It's interesting to me that likely the next Jewish holiday we're going to be able to celebrate in person is going to be the Jewish New Year, where we are supposed to evaluate what the past year has been like, and what did we do wrong, and what could we do better. And I'm hoping that there will be a carryover of that level of understanding that things that got us through this were ultimately spiritual activities, ritual, compassion, introspection, and that we should value those things just as much as we do the Federal Reserve interest rate and the GDP. Thanks for listening to Social Distance Assistance. This episode was all about how people found creative ways to celebrate religious holidays in the last few weeks. But the whole month of Ramadan starts this Thursday. We're hoping to hear from Muslims about how they're planning to give back to their communities during Ramadan and how those plans have been affected by social distancing. Leave us a voicemail and we might be able to play it on our Thursday episode to open Ramadan on a hopeful note. The number to call is 804-404-2859. We'll be back with another episode this Thursday, an interview with the monks who run the New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care about how they're helping hospital chaplains and doctors of all faiths cope with their work right now. Have an idea for a story we should tell on social distance assistance? Or want to tell one on the show yourself? Get in touch with ideas and pitches. Send us your photos of how you celebrated the holidays. And just let us know how you're doing. Helpers at vpm.org. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Social Distance Assistance is produced and engineered by June Hardcastle Robinson Jones, Kelly Jones, and Molly Bourne. Social Distance Assistance was created and edited by Nate Toby. The guy that makes it all happen is Gavin Wright. Digital assistance from Angela Messino and the VPM News Team. Steve Humble is VPM's Chief Content Officer and the big helper in the sky. Music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Casadere for audio of the Cemetery Easter Service. Members are a fundamental part of VPM. Member support is especially vital right now. Through member support, we're able to provide timely and fact-based information, educational resources for our kids, and informative and entertaining content to keep minds active and engaged. Be a part of what makes VPM possible. Visit vpm.org slash donate to become a member today. VPM.